I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're taking a look at what is going on in Puerto Rico post-pandemic and what can be done to help the people there who are suffering disproportionately after the pandemic and a number of other crises in recent years. Joining me for this conversation is Bronx Borough President Ruben Diaz Jr., who has been a staunch advocate of the Puerto Rican community, led many relief efforts there, and is of Puerto Rican heritage himself. Ruben, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me, and thank you for doing the story, Lisa. It's so important. Ruben, give us a sense, because you know we've had so much news here in the United States on the mainland with the pandemic, with the coronavirus, with all of the crises that have been happening here, but we really wanted to take a look at Puerto Rico because the people there are suffering. What do you see going on? So you know that COVID here in the Bronx, where we have the, the largest part of our population, the majority of our population is Latino, a good deal of that is by Puerto Ricans in the city and the state. We've been decimated and devastated by COVID uh, because of pre-existing conditions, because of uh, poor or less than desirable uh, health facilities in our, in our communities. Uh, you take that and you come, you, you, it's, com it's, it's conflated with the fact that we have family members on the island who are not just suffering from COVID, but remember, Lisa, and to the viewers, uh, they've had a, a financial crisis for years now. Puerto Rico has gone through Hurricane Maria. They have gone on to, through um, the earthquakes that we saw um, last year and the year before that. Multiple, mo you know, dozens, if not score of earthquakes, and then COVID. By the way, people should know that when we speak of um, the economy here being decimated by COVID, well, guess what? COVID is only the second largest hindrance to the economy in Puerto Rico since 1980, second to Hurricane Maria. COVID has only been second in the amount of deaths. So with all of the deaths that we've seen here and in Puerto Rico on COVID, Hurricane Maria took even more lives. So it's, it really, really has become a recipe for a sancocho of pain, poverty, despair, and, and, um, and uh, you know, just people trying to do the best that they can to have a hopeful future. So how much of the infrastructure, because we saw here, here in New York City, we saw a lot of the effort you know, to fight the pandemic, whether it was COVID testing and then the, the, vac you know, the vaccination sites and centers, used a lot of public facilities that were already existing. What was the infrastructure like in Puerto Rico when the pandemic hit there? Because a lot was destroyed after the hurricane. Again, right, it's a chain reaction. So the hurricane destroyed the infrastructure, many of the hospitals. The earthquakes made some of these, these structures um, uh, uh, uninhabitable and, and they, if they've been condemned. The earthquake and the hurricanes have destroyed the power grid system. So even when folks need, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, all of the equipment that's needed to keep somebody alive, so a lot of the areas in Puerto Rico, unfortunately, still don't have the electric, electric power that they need. That also is um, something that, I mean, besides that, I'm sorry, besides that, you also have uh, the, eco the economics of Puerto Rico, where, believe it or not, for years already, three, four, five years, Puerto Rico has been hemorrhaging one doctor a day that has been leaving the island of Puerto Rico. So when you speak of medical attention, the facilities aren't there. Medical equipment, in some cases, the equipment is not there, the electricity is not there. 
medical physicians, they have been leaving the island because of the finances. So when folks look at a spike in, in COVID cases now in Puerto Rico, people aren't getting tested, people aren't getting vaccinated because of the medical infrastructure has been devastated even before COVID and has been exacerbated by COVID. So many of these basic facilities, basic things we take for granted here in the United States, like buildings, electricity, uh, power supplies, access to, to roads to get things you know, from point A to point B is just not there. Wi-Fi, Lisa, how are many of us getting able to be tested and get vaccinated here in New York City and in the States? Um, we, what do we do? We make an appointment. You don't need that now, but we have to make appointments to get vaccinated. We have to make appointments to get testing. In many cases in Puerto Rico, you have sort of this, this Wi-Fi blackout as well. So technology, um, electricity, all of that has, uh, again, been uh, devastating to the people of Puerto Rico and they need help. And the federal government, you know, what's more frustrating about all of all, of all of this is that we're talking about a piece of America. We're talking about 3.0 million Americans that need help. And so the federal government needs to do much more to help out our fellow citizens there. Uh, we can do a number of things. We can obviously uh, uh, make sure that they get their fair share of Medicaid reimbursements. For too long, they're not getting their fair share. We're talking the equivalents of anywhere between half a billion to $2 billion a year. They can help by putting in money for the power grid so that we can have a state-of-the-art and, and a strong and fortified power grid in the island of Puerto Rico. They can uh, repeal the Jones Act. We know that that's the Merchant Marine Act that's so antiquated, dates back to World War I. And what, is that, what does that mean? So the, the, the Jones Act is an act that was passed by a Republican from Washington, the state of Washington back in 1920. And this was in, in response to American fleets being uh, assaulted and, and, and being uh, demolished and attacked by the German Navy. So what, it's, it's like the Merchant, um, the Merchant Marine Act of 1920. They call it the Jones Act because the Senate at the time's name is West, was Wesley Jones. But why does, and, it hurt? why does it play a role now or how does it hurt the people now? Because it says that a, a, a ship cannot go from the contiguous United States to a, another part of the United States unless it's U.S. owned or carries a U.S. flag. Oh, so, wow. I, so, so, for instance, to get a load of this, if, if you want to get something from Puerto Rico and it's coming from a foreign country, they have to now go transfer all of that material supply to a U.S. owned or a ship that flies a U.S. flag, that costs money. So guess it's who's going to pay the money? time, too. Puerto Rico, right? The cost, right. The cost goes up. Um, you even have some pharmaceuticals in Puerto Rico where the pharmaceuticals are made on the island and get a load of this. They have to be shipped back to the U.S. so they can put labels and everything on them to go back to the island so the people of the island are paying more for their uh, pharmaceuticals than the people in, in, the, in the contiguous United States. Meanwhile, we're talking about Americans here. So all of these things are serious things that we need to start talking about. I believe that a, that a real resolution for this is, is statehood, uh, making Puerto Rico uh, the 51st state of the nation. 
All right. Well, there's a lot of a lot of discussion around that, especially now in terms, especially with aid on the horizon for uh, many of the states. We'll, we'll continue our conversation with Ruben Diaz Jr. We're talking about Puerto Rico after the pandemic, getting informed and up to date on everything that's going on there and what needs to be done. I'm Lisa Evers, your host for Street Soldiers. We'll be back right after this. Yo, what up? This your homie Ace Hood, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real poly tricks, and real people only on Hot 97. I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're taking a look at Puerto Rico post-pandemic, as well as celebrating the culture and the people. Joining me for this conversation, Audrey Puente. She's Fox 5's meteorologist. She's also of Puerto Rican heritage, and she is the daughter of a king, the king of Latin jazz, the one and only Tito Puente. Audrey, great to have you with us. Great to see you, Lisa. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Bronx Borough President Ruben Diaz Jr. He has been a longtime supporter of the Puerto Rican community here in New York and also in Puerto Rico, led many relief efforts and also has been a key factor in educating people about some of the stereotypes, some of the myths, and also the what he says are the legal injustices that the people in Puerto Rico are facing in terms of their representational rights. So let's get started with this right now. Uh, Ruben, I want to start with you. As we look at the Puerto Rico in these going into the summer of 2021 after the pandemic, what do you see as the biggest challenges? Because it's almost like people are faced with this choice of let's get Let's get to herd immunity. Let's put the pandemic in the past, but it's not in the past yet. And let's open up the airports and everything so that we can have tourism back and the money flowing in again. Where do you see Puerto Rico right now? Puerto Rico is, and speaking to my family and just being there last month, they're hurting pretty bad. Uh, we think that we're hurting over here, and we are. But understand that we're only dealing with the aftermath of COVID. Puerto Rico is dealing with COVID on top of a financial crisis that has been around for years. And then on top of that, they had Hurricane Maria that by the way, killed more Puerto Ricans than COVID has and devastated their economy more than COVID has. A hundred billion dollars worth of loss um, of economic development um, on Maria that day, with Maria, Hurricane Maria. And then they had the earthquakes. We're, we, we've never seen a place where you've had score of earthquake in a matter of months. So, so COVID is just, it's just adding on to all the things uh, that they've been trying to endure over the last almost decade already. And, um, and without federal assistance, without making sure that we help them build their infrastructure, the grid, without dealing with other things like uh, repealing the Jones Act, it's going to be very, very difficult. And so those of us who are over here, uh, Audrey and I and other Puerto Ricans in the diaspora, uh, that's why it is more imperative than ever, not just to wave our Puerto Rican flag, but to be a voice so that we can push the federal government to do something for the people and our family members on the island. And to really help the people. Audrey, in, in terms of, Ruben mentioned the natural disasters, that COVID has just has come after these terrible natural disasters. I mean, talk, talk about Hurricane Maria. That was one of the worst hurricanes ever, correct? Very much so, especially for the islands. It was truly devastating. And as we mentioned, there was billions of dollars in damage. Um, the structural damage has just been devastating and they never really recovered. And then add to that several earthquakes that happened in the, in the years after and now put a pandemic on it. And this island is really, truly struggling and is in dire need of our support. What kinds of things, Audrey, are you hearing from people? 
I'm hearing that people are just not receiving the funds needed. Like we've, we're hearing a lot of talk about money's being raised. We've, we've heard about millions and millions of dollars right. being raised, but the, from what my understanding is from those that I know on the island, they're not seeing any of that money. So I'm not sure what the bureaucratic problems are there with that. However, they, you know, Puerto Rican people are so resilient, right. I have to say. They are doing what they need to do to survive. However, it's really um, sad and devastating to what they really need to be, what they are enduring. And it's, it's, it's a, in my opinion, it's unnecessary. And, a, and, a, and really, Ruben, a human rights crisis. Yeah, well, there's, there's, a, there's an Humanitarian crisis, I should say. Humanitarian crisis um, on so many different levels. There's an adage in our community that says, donde come uno, comen cien. So when Audrey says that we're resilient, it means that, look, where one of us eat, don't worry about it. We'll figure out how to feed a hundred. But you need to give us the resources uh, to be able to do that. So going back to the pandemic, the first thing that we need to do is have a healthy citizenry over there. But when you have no electricity in many parts uh, because of the power grid, and that's coming back slowly but surely, but it's just not reliable. The infrastructure is not reliable. When you have the, um, the very little equipment, when you, when, you, when you see an average of one doctor a day for the last four or five years leaving the island of Puerto Rico, when you have the infrastructure of the hospitals where buildings have to be condemned because of the earthquakes, that's, again, all a recipe for pain, poverty, and, and debt, and despair. And we need the federal government to start putting up. We do that for other countries. We do that for uh, countries that are not even friendly to the United States. Right. We're talking a part of the United States, we're talking that about our family members, 3.3 million of them who are American citizens. And so enough is enough. So some of the uh, things that need to happen is, you know, we need to get more funding, federal funding into Puerto Rico. We need to allow for supplies and material to be directly put in. So we need to repeal the Jones Act of 1920 is antiquated and it hurts us. And we also need to make sure that uh, we, we do restructuring of the Medicaid reimbursement. We're speaking specifically about healthcare. And unlike over here, where in every state, the federal government reimburses on Medicaid, the federal government doesn't do it at the same levels in Puerto Rico. So they're losing out up to up um, upwards of $2 billion of money that they could be so, using. So it's basically, it, it basically the, the theme, the recurring theme with the aid is Puerto Rico does not get its fair share of what the people deserve. And what the people need, Audrey. Speak to speak to the, the the Puerto Rican culture. You talk about you talk about the resiliency. You, you talk about this the whole. You know, one of the things that always has, has struck me is the generosity. It's like even if somebody is very very poor, you go to their house, they're going to offer you food. Like you know, if 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 something happens, they're going to figure out a way. They're not going to say, well, you know what, I can't order that part and have it delivered by Amazon, you know, to my doorstep <laughs> tomorrow. We're going to see what we have right here. We're going to find a way to make it move, whether it's a car, whether it's, you know, something. Right. Our, our buddy club brothers and sisters will find that part. We know somebody's cousin who has that part somewhere and it will be delivered for sure. Uh, you know, it's we're one big family. We really are. It's my experience in my culture that if you're of a Puerto Rican descent, you are familia and people people show up for their families, whether it's blood or cultural, they will show up. And that's been the resilient factor of the island. May I just like, address what Ruben said earlier about the power grid? Because, yes, you know, we were, we were already behind before all these natural disasters happened, right, with the power grid. It's a major, major issue that the funding is needed to build that because 
that we were already behind the eight ball when Maria came, when the earthquakes came and when COVID came. And now we're entering into a hurricane season that's predicted to be above average. What's next? Right. Because we are so behind the eight ball on the islands and it's dire. It's dire that the funds are needed to be rebuilding this infrastructure there. All right. We're going to talk about what happens, uh, what happens in the future. We're also going to talk a little bit more about the culture, what is so unique about the Puerto Rican culture. I'm Lisa Evers, your host for Street Soldiers. We'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. What up, what up, what up? This is Styles Peter Ghost, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people, only on Hot 97. Yeah, Ghost told you so. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about Puerto Rico post-pandemic and also celebrating the Puerto Rican culture and people. Joining me for this conversation, Audrey Puente. She's Fox 5's meteorologist. She's also the daughter of a king, uh, Latin jazz legend, Tito Puente. Audrey, great to have you with us. Thank you, Lisa, great to be here. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Ruben Diaz Jr. He's the Bronx Borough President. He is a, a staunch defender of all things Puerto Rican. He's led many relief efforts on the island, visits frequently, has family there and uh, has been trying to help people through this very difficult time. Ruben, thank you so much for being with us. Pleasure to be here with you and with Puerto Rican royalty in Audrey. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Daughter of, a, daughter of a king makes you a princess. All right. Um, Audrey, you talk about you keep your eye on the weather. We've already heard these predictions that the summer of 2021, as Puerto Rico and some especially is struggling to come out of the grips of the pandemic and kind of bring tourists back, could be one of the worst for the hurricane season. Are there precautions that should be in place or being put in place now? Absolutely, Lisa. As we know, Puerto Rico has had major damage done to their infrastructure. The power grid has been a problem for many, many years. Uh, now add to that, we had a Hurricane Maria, we had earthquakes, then we've had a pandemic, and we're going into a hurricane season that's predicted to be above average. Now, meteorologically speaking, we, we cannot predict exactly where the hurricanes will grow and where they will move this far in advance, of course. However, this is a place that's been plagued greatly with natural disasters, and we need to be prepared. They're way behind the eight ball at the moment. Funding is desperately needed there because it only takes one major storm, as we've already learned from Maria, to do major damaging uh, devastation to that island. Ruben, in, in, term, in terms of the and getting any relief there after Maria, one of the big problems was the roads were washed out. There were, they couldn't get around. There, wasn't, there weren't even Google Maps that existed of some of the remote areas in the, the mountainous areas outside some of the cities throughout, throughout the island. In terms of what people need now, what do, what do they need now? Because they're still trying to get people vaccinated. I think what they need now is look, the roads, the infrastructure, uh, I was there again last month, so it's much better. Um, and remember that we did a, 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 great, a great, the greatest day of my borough presidency was when we did the 300,000 uh, tons, uh, I mean, pounds, I'm sorry, of, right. of, of um, supplies and foods uh, back in September of 2007. Right now, what, what they need is the grid. What they need is um, uh, to be able to have physicians going back to Puerto Rico, they need to get vaccinated. They need the hospitals. They need equipment. They need to, they need to do all of this if they want to jumpstart the economy. Look, um, Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. People need to understand that it's part of the United States, that there are over 3 million people who live there, that they are Americans, that we come in all hues, shapes, and sizes, that you know uh, we're, we're part European, part Taino, part African, that when, when royalty like Tito Puentes 
played, you know, the, the timbales or the congas, that those are African instruments. And we want to get back to that, but we really need help. And the only people, the only thing that can really help us to that magnitude is the federal government. So uh, knowing what we know that they've been through in the years past and knowing what potentially is ahead of us with this hurricane season, it is time now. Right now, we should have, we've already behind the ball on planning and, and resources and making sure that we get ahead of the curve so that it should, unfortunately, another hurricane hit, that um, they will be uh, totally prepared, um, especially given that we've been dealing with 14 months, 15 months of COVID. Yeah, you know, and can I say that to yeah, that the fact that the much like we know we know millions and millions of dollars have been raised in order to help Puerto Rico. We have the opportunity with that money to build back better, right? Because we've already experienced that here in the New York City area with her, uh, with Superstorm Sandy, places like Houston, places um, that have been devastated by their own. Uh, hurricane seasons of, along the Gulf Coast, they built back better. So the funds, if they're, when they're allocated correctly, we can actually have a, the great infrastructure that was needed, the power grid that was needed in order to um, sustain these, some of these storms as they come through. That really what needs to be addressed. And, and, then, you- and, and just on that note, I'm sorry. Um, a lot was said, and there was a lot of back and forth between the federal government and the government of Puerto Rico. And they got what is called the Promesa Board. They call it La Junta. So it's like this financial board that overlooks procurement, projects, uh, debt service, and so on and so forth. And they said, okay, we would only send you guys money if we had this board. It's very controversial. Nobody, you know, really likes it because it's another way of of the United States federal government sort of being on top of Puerto Rico. And some people think that it's needed because, unfortunately, there's been corruption on the island. But if we have this junta in place, then there should be no excuse from the federal government to be assured that the money was be spent correctly. The junta is there, send the money, and let's start building the infrastructure. Not only that, if they're so concerned about the money being like uh, distributed properly, why don't they just send somebody over to handle it? Right. Like a like a like a czar, like one like some kind of a, a relief czar or somebody like that. Right. There's also have- there's a lot what? Ruben, that Ruben, is that your next position? <laughs> I'm, I was just going to nominate him for that. <laughs> but what, what about uh, Audrey, Audrey? We've talked about we've talked about this at, at, at Fox Five behind the scenes and stuff. There's just there's a lot of there's a lot of misconceptions and just plain ignorance about Puerto Rico. People think okay, it's another exotic island. Some people think it's another country. It's a U.S. Commonwealth. <laughs> They, if you're born in Puerto Rico, you are an American citizen. But what, what about the misconceptions? Have you encountered any of that in, in your lifetime, in your career? I, I have encountered people thinking it's another country, <laughs> which I, I think is quite amusing. Uh, are we learning about our American history in our school system? <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know where the misconception happens there at all. Um, I love that our people here that are here in the U.S., especially in New York City, we consider the island as almost like South New York, right? right. Like it's, it's, it, it, it's, they're not over there and we're over here. It's like we're still all one world together. I right. really, really love that about our culture. Ruben, what, was it, what was more embarrassing than other people thinking that we're another country, believe it or not, when we were making a lot of hay and noise around Hurricane Maria to the federal government with the previous administration and Congress, Lisa, there were Congress members, men and women in, 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 in the House of Representatives that were asking their colleagues from Puerto Rico, where is Puerto Rico? Is it a foreign country? Do they have foreign currency? I mean, it is mind boggling that members of Congress 
don't realize that we're talking about an island that is um, part of America and the United States, and that we're talking about um, U.S. citizens. But Ruben, school, school us because, you know, while we have you here, but school us because the, the representation issue has been very big uh, for Puerto Ricans because the, the, there's, no set, there's no voting members in the U.S. Senate, correct? The, all, all the House of Representatives, the biggest controversy on the island. So one of the things that people got to know about Puerto Rico is that politically the island is divided among three different lands. There is statehood, there is a status quo, and then there's independence. I am a statehooder. That's controversial to some folks. That means that I would love for Puerto Rico to become the, the 51st. Um, independence could have been great, in my opinion, back in 1898. Um, status quo would have been great in 1952 when we got Commonwealth status. Right. But when we're speaking of the future of Puerto Rico, statehood is the only way because if, if it were a state today, we would have six or seven men and women representing us in the House of Representatives and two U.S. Senators. You know how many we have today? Zero. So when we speak about the grid, when we speak about being um, uh, uh, treated as second class citizens and the Jones Act, that's because we don't have any real representation from the island in the House of Representatives or the U.S. Senate. All right. We're going to take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. When we come back, we're going to talk about the music, the culture and the lifestyle that so many adore about the Puerto Rican community. We'll be right back. Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King of Hearts, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 9-7. You did. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're taking a look at Puerto Rico post-pandemic and also celebrating the people and the culture. Joining me for this conversation, Audrey Puente. She is Fox 5's meteorologist. She is also the daughter of a king, as in the king of Latin jazz, Tito Puente. And uh, she's just been involved in the parades over the years and in many other cultural and community activities. Audrey, great to have you with us. Thank you, Lisa. I'm out here um, studying the elements as we're anticipating some severe weather. Doing your job. job. Um, Also joining us is Bronxville President Ruben Diaz Jr., Um, He has led many relief efforts to help the people of Puerto Rico and been a staunch advocate as well of the community and their needs, as as well as their growth and economic development. Uh, Ruben, great to have you with us. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Audrey, tell us your your memory as a little girl, some of your youngest memories with your dad at that height of that era of the jazz movement. Well, it's funny. People always ask me, what was it like growing up, you know, in a household with Tito Puente? And my answer is always the same. It was very loud because we had a lot of music all the time. Radios were on in every single room. Um, You know, I I just remember from very, very young age, constantly being surrounded with music with concerts. I was in nightclubs since I was two years old. Um, It just it was a very vibrant, um, lively and colorful childhood for me. And what were some of the things that some of the things that that you feel you adapted from your dad? Because you're a ground, I mean, you're very humble, but you're you're, you're a trailblazer in your field as well. Thank you for saying so. Uh, super easy. My dad's greatest lesson that he passed on to me was to follow my passion. He told me from a very young age, figure out what you love to do and figure out a way to be paid for it. And you will never feel like you're going to work a day in your life. And that's evident for me every single day. I'm a meteorologist, which is my passion, is weather. And I go to work every day, truly grateful that I get to do what I really love. 
so much so that it, I would be doing it for free. Just don't tell, don't tell the boss. That. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same way. I feel, I, feel, I feel the same way. No, when you love, when, when you love. So there was no pressure. Like, okay, you're going to be a singer. You're going to be a dancer. You're going to be in. It, it was basically like you know, do what, do what you love. That none of that. In fact, I can remember our Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners with the entire family. Um, my father. I would, have, I mean, for lack of a better way of saying, it, I would say sort of discouraging us and to enter the music industry. I was the only one that listened because everyone else in the family somehow <laughs> interjected themselves musically. I, while I played instruments growing up, my industry is completely different from where the rest of the family kind of entered into. So no, no singing weather reports. No, but I do TikTok, do karaoke. I do have my karaoke list. <laughs> no. <laughs> Ruben, Ruben, one of the one of the things too that that has always always struck me about the Puerto Rican culture is the family, the concept of family, and and of course many cultures, you know, we have our families, we love our families, but it's it's a very unique manifestation in the Puerto Rican community. Tell tell us about that. Us means everything, and it's the, not only the nuclear family but the extended families. You know, we say things like primo hermano, um, where it's your cousin. But it's just like your cousin brother, your cousin sister. Like you grew up in, in, with your extended family to the point where your cousins were just as close to you as your brother or your sister, as your siblings. Uh, whenever you have a, um, a, a dinner or at the church, at, um, Thanksgiving, uh, Saturdays, everybody comes over. Uh, and again, you, you come over to somebody's house without even an invitation. And, and, and no one's offended by it. We grew up, uh, you know, Audrey speaks about um, Tito Puentes. God bless him, giant us. He raised us also. So on Saturdays, you heard, you know, her dad and Willie Colon and find out all stars while mommy and mommy was cleaning and everything and everybody's doing their part. That's what happens on Saturday. Uh, the other thing that people need to know is that we're big on faith. We're big on food. Uh, but, and also that our culture is a maternal one. Some people want to make light of that. Some people, you know, may say, well, you know, where's your dad or where's this or where that? We are an extremely maternal culture, which means that abuelita is at the top. That's the grandmother. That's the grandmother. The abuelitas, mm -hmm. the women in our culture sit at the throne. They dictate everything that goes on and, and, and how things operate, not only in the, in the nuclear family, but the extended family. And that's something that is, it, it means a lot to us. Um, and people just may not understand that about us. And then I would say also to that, I would also say to that, like we are a culture of passion. Like it's, yeah. a, it's you see it in our food, in our our dancing, in our music, in our clothing, and in, in the way we love. It's everything about being Puerto Rican has to do with passion. And how we communicate, you know, yes. you, two Puerto Ricans or three or four Puerto Ricans <laughs> speaking from this, you may think they're arguing, but that's yes. just the, you know, that's just the way that we communicate. Yeah. You know, we, we're very verbose and loud. Um, and that's just the way that we are. It's part of our tradition. I love it all. I, I love it. I love it all too. But, and that's also like that energy. Like you can see people arguing. They'll have feuds. They'll have very, very substantial differences of opinion about certain things. And yet when it comes to the family, it's, it's, all, about, it's all about love. Yes. And, and also music is, I mean, Audrey speaks of how she was with her dad at the age of two. That's part of our DNA. We have a pentameter. We have a rhythm in us. Not only with, you know, mambo, not only with salsa, but hip-hop. Look at the early stages of hip-hop. Right. We had Craig, we had Charlie Chase, we had Ruby D, Fat Joe, Big Pun, Nori. You know, we have reggaeton. Uh, so 
hip hop is at the top of the of the of the musical genre is the number one musical genre, but reggaeton um, is, is is global as well, and that comes from the island of Puerto Rico. Music is embedded in us, um, and and we just love it, and that's what brings us together, just as food does. No, absolutely, Audrey. What about what about the food? Oh my gosh, is there anything better than Puerto Rican food? I really don't know. I, I, and I love all cuisines, but, and, I've, and I may be biased. I don't even think I'm biased. It just is the best cuisine to have. It's so full of flavor. You can feel the love that's been in pre the preparation of it. As Ruben mentioned, like cooking and um, the coming together of families for meals is filled with such love. And it, and it comes through with the food all the way up from Abuelita down. Uh, it's the number one ingredient in our food. That's why when I say it's maternal, some people may say, oh, if women, women are the ones who cook, isn't that sexist? No, in our culture, mommy wants to do that. And she'll use sazon and adobo, and she'll make pasteles. My wife makes pasteles and, 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 and arroz con gandules, y pernil, y ensalada de papa. But the number one ingredient is love. That's the way that they nurture the family. That's the way that yeah. they show Family. That's what that's what keeps the family together. That one ingredient in the food when everybody's seated and, and playing, the kids are playing, but it's time to eat. That love there is, is, is second to none in the whole universe. And that brings it's and true. That, and like and cooking, like we said, say, cooking is is not a chore in our culture. It, no. it it is an event. It is an event. It is a loving gesture in our culture. Right. That that's so amazing. Even I had the I had the opportunity pre-Hurricane Maria to uh, travel around Puerto Rico through the different cities, but then also in the mountain areas and outside and just along the road, there's like a, there's like a stand that somebody has outside of their house. And it's like so amazing. You know, it's not a chain restaurant. It's not, I'm just like, wow, this is really incredible. Fresh ingredients, and everything that, fresh. And that was probably the best, some of the best foods you had, right? It was, it beat what we had in San Juan. Yeah, well, I, I often I often say like when people try to bring me to Latin areas in other cities or other places, I'm always like, I want to know where's the hole in the wall. Those are the, right. the hole in the wall places are the ones where you find the real right. authentic stuff. When you go visit family now, I know the vegan audience may not appreciate this, but if you go to my <laughs> in Ajunta, which is the mountainous region in the southern part of the island, you know, she's a subsistent farmer. She has coffee. She has all this vegetation, so uh, where there's juca, batata, everything is going to come off the trees of, of her farm. But guess what? She's also going to ask you, and this is her greatest expression of hospitality. Lisa, come and look at my chickens. This is my best chicken <laughs> Put that out, and that's a, or, or the, or which is the goat, you know, or whatever. You know, then she's going to put, and then you point out, and that, that's, the, that's the best that she has to offer you. And it's out of respect and out of hospitality. And I know that vegans don't like that. But that's part listen, of our culture. Listen, true confession. My grandmother had chick my grandmother had chickens too. It's all good. <laughs> I have to say though, Ruben, like there's there's a strong upwelling of um, vegetarian Puerto Ricans. In fact, if you follow the, the vegan Rican on Instagram, you'll see a lot of yummy things. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Ruben, um, what you know, the obvious question I have to ask you is all this money that's being talked about and passed and supposedly in the works and these infrastructure bills and the uh, recovery acts and all of that. Will any of that money um, that's being talked about in Washington and being allocated post-pandemic, will any of that go to Puerto Rico? I hope so, and I'm optimistic. But you know what? We, I'm cautiously optimistic. So for those of us who are political, and I'm a Democrat, for full disclosure, we beat up on the last president when he disrespected us with, you know, by throwing paper towels, 
after Hurricane Maria to our family members and the people of Puerto Rico. Well, you know what? We have a Democrat now in the White House. We have the Democratic majority now in the House of Representatives. We have a Democratic majority in the U.S. Senate. There should be no excuse now. A lot of those people, the same people who with me criticized the former administration and, and criticized the former U.S. Senate. Now was that time to put up a shut up. We had, we're in position of powers. That was the time to give them the money for the grid. Now was the time to repeal the Jones Act. Now was the time to make sure that we do better in terms of Medicaid reimbursements. Now was the time that we prepare so that the, the, the economy and the, the healthcare facilities and education is at a better state. We also have to um, hope that you know, the, the, the politics of Puerto Rico is uh, one where it unites people and not so divided on the future status of Puerto Rico. There's so many bigger issues that we need to deal with right now that hopefully could bring all of the different political factions together in the island. I'm optimistic and I'm going to lend myself, especially as I, as I step off the political stage here in New York City, I'm going to do all that I can to help out with the, with, you know, the betterment of Puerto Rico. I want the first announcement, though. I want the first, I want, the, I want the announcement. <laughs> we'll break it on Fox 5. Um, Audrey, in terms of, it, it's inconceivable to me. It's like, I've covered so many stories here, as you know, in, in New York, where like the electricity goes out because of a storm here for half a day and people completely freak out. There's all mm -hmm. kinds of action that's taken right away. Crews are brought in from around the country to try to make repairs and, and, and get it up. Do you see the, that, that power grid and that lack of electricity that's still there like several years after Hurricane Katrina as being like yes. one of the top things? Yes. Uh, post Maria, we, we saw some very devastating things um, on the island as far as the infrastructure is concerned. I know that they've been building back in the tourist section, so it is um, a good place to go visit. Now would be the time to actually go visit Puerto Rico and those areas. However, it's in the outskirts, in the, in the more rural areas where they're still still without power. And we really, really need to reach out to them because they're the heart and soul of the island. We can't forget about them. Yeah, that's true. If you're Puerto Rican and you're watching this, you know, you can talk the talk, but you can walk the walk. If you have a little bit of money, invest in Puerto Rico. Now is the time. Um, if people are worried about the gentrification of the island, and I am, if people are worried about the identity of the island, and, and I am, you know, put your money where your mouth is and go out there. You know, my brother, I got family members who are already looking to buy, you know, pieces of land or, or houses in Puerto Rico. The time to do it is now. Yeah, he's right. Ruben, Ruben, Ruben is right. Now is the time. People, are, I have friends and my own family too, like they're in there looking to invest because the re rebuilding is happening. It's not happening as fast as we would like. However, Puerto Rico's future is very bright. Absolutely. And then Ruben, in terms of the tourists, the, the fastest thing to bring back is the tourist industry, right? I mean, you've spent a lot of time on economic development. Uh, yeah, obviously we have to still remain cautious because of, there's been a, a spike on COVID. Uh, there have been people who have been, you know, there's different strains of, of, of COVID out on the island. Uh, the, the hotel, um, uh, you know, industry, uh, needs to get with it, though, because, you know, if Cuba opens up soon, if you look at, you know, um, you know, um, I'm sorry. Other places. You, there's, there's plenty of places opening up. Um, um, when you can go to a hotel and um, not Airbnb, Airbnb, but, but um, you know. Uh, like a resort? The, <laughs> when you when you can pay for drinks and everything, free drinks. I have, I'm sorry. All inclusive. So, let me let me go back with that. So obviously, you know, tourism is important, but we need to make sure that before Cuba opens up, and that's coming soon. Uh, when you look at other islands in the Caribbean, when they have all inclusive, the hotel industry has to get more creative and innovative 
uh, to be able to not only invite people back to the island, but retain them there. There's beautiful weather, beautiful beaches, but you also have to make it affordable so that people feel um, compelled to go to Puerto Rico. All right. And Audrey, final final word in, in terms of what, what people who want to support, you know, visit there, you know, get property, invest, spend money there. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I think with all the rebuilding that's going on, it's actually a great time to be investing if you wanted to get into real estate or own property there because Puerto Rico is coming back. People are going to be flocking there before you know it, especially once COVID kind of subsides a bit. And outside of the tourist areas, like Ruben may have mentioned earlier with Airbnbs and such, it now is a great time to actually take a look at Puerto Rico for a possible future investment. All right. Well, I want to thank both of you for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers on Puerto Rico post-pandemic and the future. Ruben Diaz Jr., great to have you with us again. Thank you so much. Audrey, great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. We appreciate it. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.